Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Tuesday. Thanks for everybody for uh, tuning in. And uh, this will be our last week of shows for the uh, 2023 season because next week we'll have bowls every game, uh, every day. So uh, this will be the final week for me. Bob, I believe, is done tomorrow uh, with his final show. So uh, we're wrapping things up. Hopefully we can uh, help you out and uh, give you at least a little bit of entertainment, whether you're in your office, whether you're in your car, whether you are in the mall, whatever it is. Uh, we hope to be here for you, so that way we can, um, you know, give you a little bit of entertainment before the uh, the season ends. Got a fun show planned. <clears throat> since we didn't work yesterday, um, since we didn't work yesterday, and um, we are going to uh, kind of recap the weekend and uh, talk about everything that happened in the NFL, college football, all that good stuff. So we'll do that. And uh, coming up at three fifteen, we are going to have Jim Arthur who is the voice of Air Force. Uh, Air Force taking on uh, James Madison coming up this weekend. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about the Falcons and their season that they've had so far. And um, we're going to talk to him about uh, the Air Force football team. Maybe briefly get into the Air Force basketball team, which has actually been pretty good so far this season as well. They are 7-4 and four out of the Mountain West. But uh, we're going to talk a little Air Force football and get you set for the game coming up on Saturday down in Fort Worth, Texas, the Armed Forces Bowl. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have a, a JMU player on uh, live. They are heading down now or today to Fort Worth. So um, that's what's going on right now is they are heading down to Fort Worth. So we're going to do a lot more JMU football this week. Uh, we're going to try and do some Virginia Tech as well as they get set for Tulane. Literally, last one uh, leaving, turn the light out for uh, Tulane, who's had a lot of people opting out and everything. So everything looks good for Virginia Tech. It would be, let's say, disappointing if the Hokies did not win their game. Uh, so we can get into that. And, of course, we'll have a little bit of time, I believe, to do Liberty. They've got Oregon. And so far, as far as we can tell, Bo Nix is playing. There has been no change on that. But, of course, things can, as we get closer to the game, that could certainly uh, make things interesting if there is a change. So we'll certainly talk a lot about the balls. We have tonight's ball game between uh, UTSA and Marshall on our airwaves. The Frisco Bowl down in Frisco, Texas. Uh, kickoff is at 9 o'clock. This line's been all over the place because apparently there are rumors today that UTSA's starting quarterback, Frank Harris, is not playing in the game. And usually when there's rumors, things like that happen. The line was at 12 and a half today. It's now down to 8, 9 in some places. DraftKings has 9 and a half. Um, I still think UTSA wins. I think, though, things certainly will be different if Frank Harris is out and this line is moving like Frank Harris is out. But if you're interested in the bowl games, chances are we've got them. We are your home for bowl games, 1061 uh, ESPN. College basketball tonight. We got a very interesting one between Virginia and Memphis. The Cavaliers on the road taking on the Memphis Tigers and Virginia um, looking for a solid win here. You know, it's interesting. They're 9-1 and on the season. But they're 29 on Ken Palm. Uh, there's teams that have worse records who Ken Palm, at least by his, you know, quote unquote nerd numbers, like a little bit more than Virginia does. 
Uh, he thinks that they're going to lose by two tonight. Line opened up at about two and a half. It went up to three and a half, and it's currently three and a half across the board. We'll get into that matchup a little bit uh, as Virginia plays another tough opponent. You could argue so far this season they've played four tough opponents. Well, this will be their fourth. They beat Florida on a neutral court. Uh, they beat Texas A&M at home, and they lost. Not only lost, they got blasted by Wisconsin down in Fort Myers, Florida, uh, about a month ago. So we'll see where the Cavaliers go in this one. We'll talk about what Memphis does really well and how it kind of matches up with the Cavaliers. But rather large game, I think, for the Hoos. We talked about it. They were one of the few teams that I am buying when it comes to the state. A lot of the teams I'm holding on because I think that, you know, either they're not going to be great or they're not going to be much worse than what they are now. But I'm, I'm a buyer of the Cavaliers, and I think they have a shot tonight. Obviously, Memphis is very young, very fast. So if they can get the tempo going against the Cavaliers, that would not be good. Although I think this Virginia team can handle playing a little bit faster than they usually do. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later because, uh, as I said, it's a huge game uh, for Virginia. I, I think that they need to win this game. to just kind of show some people uh, what they can do for the season. Other games uh, involving the state schools, you've got Hampton, uh, who already lost today at Bowling Green. They play at 11 a.m. I believe is one of those um, kids games where there was a lot of kids in the stadium. But Hampton lost 75-65 to Bowling Green. Elsewhere tonight, JMU is taking on Coppin State. 7 o'clock in Harrisonburg. JMU is a 28-point favorite. Total is 149.5. Coppin State was really bad last year, and they're not better this year. JMU is 10-0 on the season. Coppin State is quite the opposite. They are 1-11. And Coppin State playing one of their usual stretches where they're on the road, it feels like, forever. They just played Georgetown and GW last week. So, um, I mean, this is unfortunately the reality that MEAC teams have to play a lot of road games to make budget for the season. It's it's unfortunate um, because it's not right for the kids that they never get to play home. Although this year's team actually had two, three home games already, which I tell you, they don't get a lot of those home games last year. And by the way, there is revenge in this game. Coppin State beat James Madison in one of those kids games last year. In double overtime, it was 107-100, and that was with a better Coppin State team. Like, this one should be a rather easy victory for the Dukes. And as I said, Vegas agrees in that situation. Um, so those are the state schools that are at least playing D1 opponents. If um, other ones are playing, they are playing non-D1 opponents. <clears throat> if you're an NBA fan tonight, John Morant returns to the court. Uh, for Memphis, they play at New Orleans tonight at 7.30. Celtics and Warriors tonight at 10 o'clock. Usually uh, the NBA puts in uh, good games on TNT tonight. So uh, you'll see Memphis, New Orleans, and Boston, and Golden State. So it is a good night uh, for all sorts of athletics here. And, of course, we're coming off of an NFL Monday. I will certainly briefly address what happened to my beloved Eagles. Um, I don't want to get into it for too long. A, it will aggravate me. B, I may say words you're not allowed to say on the radio. And C, this is not WIP. And you do not tune in to hear my uh, my Eagles opinions. So we'll get to that a little bit later on as well. I also have to get into this Sam Howell stuff. I just, I, I, I just don't understand the commanders. And I don't understand. I understand why Ron Rivera took out 
Sam Howell last game. And if it's the correct reason, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. He was concerned about the pass rush. He didn't want him to get hurt. So they put in Jacoby Brissett, which I would be like, look, I ain't going in there either. Like, you didn't exactly help me out. But Nikki uh, Javala had a very interesting chart for uh, Sam Howell, breaking down the first eight weeks of the season and the last five weeks of the season. Excuse me, six weeks of the season. And there are some numbers that are showing that Sam is regressing terribly. And it's going to make things rather interesting for the commanders who are going to potentially have a top five pick should they go after a Caleb Williams, a Drake May. Um, there's going to be other quarterbacks who are entering the draft. Should they go get another quarterback, or should they believe in Sam Howell and just say, all right, new offensive staff, we're going to fix things um, with Sam Howell. So we'll go over some numbers that Nikki found about how much Sam Howell is regressing as we go along uh, this season. I think part of it is some people are just hitting the rookie wall. Like, you're not used to playing games this far into the season. And don't forget, if you're playing in the bowl season, you get a couple weeks break before you're back out there so you at least get to recharge a little bit. And if you're really good, you're not playing in that game anyway. You're opting out. So I um, we'll get into that. And then, of course, also, um, the commanders changed long snappers finally, which I think some people are have been dying to see. But they finally did it. They signed Tucker Addington to the practice squad. I don't know who Tucker Addington is. I don't know. I'm not going to... I assume he's a good long snapper. I don't see anything that tells me any differently. So Tucker Addington looks like he's going to be the new long snapper for the Commanders. Uh, 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Don't forget, you can tweet me at MidMajorMatt. Station's Twitter is at ESPN Richmond. Let's take a timeout. Coming up, it is JMU and Air Force coming up this weekend in the Armed Forces Bowl. Time to learn a little bit more about the Falcons. Are they more than just the triple option? We will talk to Jim Arthur, the voice of Air Force. Next, you're listening to 1061 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here taking up to 4 o'clock. As I said, uh, these will be our last shows of uh, 2023. Next week, we'll have bowl games on all week long in these time slots because bowl season's awesome. Uh, Just don't say that to ODU fans after yesterday. We will certainly get into that. That was something to see. You never get a normal famous toastery bowl. That's uh, for sure. And hopefully we get a normal Armed Forces Bowl coming up this weekend. As James Madison made their way down to Fort Worth, Texas, they're having their first meetings down in Texas as they get set for Air Force. Uh, joining us now so we can learn a little bit more about the Falcons, uh, you can check him out as part of the Air Force broadcast team, Jim Arthur. Jim, how's it going? Doing well. How are you guys? Doing well, Jim. Um, obviously, this feels like old hat to Air Force. It feels like they're pretty much always in a uh, in a ball game. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, when the NFL pregame was out in Colorado Springs on Veterans Day. A cadet held up a sign, and he said, Death, Taxes, and the Armed Forces Bowl. So that's pretty much, I think, what we've seen over the last several years. So obviously it seems like it's two different seasons uh, for the Falcons, who started out absolutely on fire, and then things started to go wrong. Let's go with the first eight games of the season. What were clicking for Air Force that got them out to an eight-no start? Well, I think they were playing the Air Force style, and the Air Force style pretty much is 
you know, uh, win the coin toss, defer to the second half, run the football, have a great defense that allows you to get back on the field quickly uh, if you're the Air Force offense and eat up time. And that's how they rolled out to an 8-0 record. Now, to be fair, I don't know how strong the schedule was, at least early on. You get to later in the season, they started playing some better teams at the same time. They also had a lot of injuries. Starting quarterback Zach Larrier was out. Uh, lead running back, fullback, Emmanuel Michelle was out. And so the injuries started to pile up a little bit, and that wasn't good. Teams got better. Teams figured out how to move the ball against the Air Force defense. So I think a lot of things were at play. Um, obviously, we've seen Army and Navy slightly, ever so slightly, move away from the triple option, or at least they're throwing the ball a little bit more. How much would you say Air Force still uses that traditional triple option with the very occasional pass? Well, I would say Army and Navy are trying to get closer to Air Force, to be honest with you, because Air Force of the three service academies has thrown the ball more than those two teams over the years, and they've used it off of play action. The Army this year has incorporated it a little bit more into their base offense, and I think for Air Force, if the option is going well, then they can throw the ball well, because if you're moving the football you know, teams start cheating. The cornerbacks are up. The safeties are up a little bit. And teams start cheating on you a little bit. If you're not running the ball very well, Air Force has a more difficult time throwing the ball because teams are looking for that. Um, before the season began, I think there was a little bit of a concern about the quarterback position. Obviously, a great quarterback departing from the program in the offseason. How, how long did it take Zach to kind of pick things up, and why are things clicking so much with him under center? Well, he picked him up pretty quickly, to be honest with you. And what I like about Zach is he doesn't try to do too much. I call him a game manager, and that may not be fair to him, certainly. He, he's good at making decisions. He's good at getting the ball to the right person at the right time, uh, whether that's him keeping around the corner, whether that's him pitching, certainly, to John Lee Eldridge. He just is a smart guy in the way he runs the offense. He's a very underrated passer, and I think he just kind of took this team and he played to his strengths and he didn't try to do more than, than really he could. And I think that's one of the reasons he had, up until he got injured, such a good season. Troy Calhoun has done such a great job with this program. Has he ever been offered other positions? Do you feel like he's going to be a lifer at this school? Well, I think every year Troy does talk to a couple of schools this year. It was Oregon State. He's from Oregon. Uh, it was Tulane. There was some talk that he might have been interested in the Duke job. And, you know, will he leave at some point? I don't know. The NFL people love him. And, of course, he came from the National Football League. I think he likes the challenge, certainly, at Air Force each and every year. I'm sure in the back of his mind, maybe, he probably asks himself, you know, what if he went to a school where – name like this in image certainly played a larger role not necessarily losing guys but maybe getting guys and maybe competing on a different level athletically with more resources hey, look everybody has that in the back of their mind in terms of trying to go to a bigger place i don't know if it's a better place in terms of what troy has been able to do in 17 years and how much he believes in the mission of the academy and in the cadets and his ability to really coach good football teams each and every year uh, regardless of who they're playing 
obviously a lot of teams put out their information. We know who's opting out. We know who's transferring from programs, injuries, things like that. It's usually tight-lipped when it comes to the academies. Do you have any idea on who might not be available? Is everybody going to be 100% for this game? No, everybody's good to go. Uh, the bowl game helps you know, not only Air Force, but, but certainly uh, James Madison when it comes to getting guys healthy. Uh, Larry is going to go at quarterback. They'll have a fully healthy Emmanuel Michelle. They're hoping to have wide receiver Jared Rosnos back in the lineup. They've been pretty healthy for the most part on defense. It was the offense where they got kind of knocked down a few pegs, but they should be good to go in terms of health. Um, this team's won four straight bowl games. Obviously, we've heard a lot. The, uh, the times you want to play triple option are week one, when you have the most time to prepare in the offseason, and during bowl season when you have that extra time to prepare. doesn't seem to be bothering Air Force, though, who continues to put up a great offensive numbers in all of their bowl games. Well, it, it takes time to get used to what you want to do defensively. You've got to be really disciplined against the option. And I think it's going to be interesting because, look, last year Baylor and Air Force played in this bowl. Baylor didn't want to be there. It was colder than hell, like 10 below zero. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're playing a group of five team. And so I, Baylor did not want to be there. All right, Let's just call it the way it is. Air Force beat a good Louisville squad the year before. I think this is going to be different. First ever bowl game for James Madison, that's a big deal. And these guys are fired up to play. These guys are fired up to show that they belong. And so I think from the mentality approach, I think it's way different than maybe some teams Air Force has played in the past. Air Force has a top 10 rushing defense. How much, uh, obviously, James Madison has a very good rushing offense. Um, how much are you concerned about that? Uh, you know, because it looks like the JMU might be the best rushing attack Air Force will face all season. Tell you what, the numbers may bear that out. They're only giving up 61 yards a game. The thing that really impresses me is their tackles behind the line of scrimmage. They lead the nation in that category, and the ability for their defensive line to get in there and get into the backfield and disrupt plays, look, that's going to be huge. Air Force is really going to have to play well across the front, and I think the Falcons certainly understand that they're not going to just be able to play smash ball with the fullback on every play. They're going to have to be creative and getting the ball to the outside a little bit. I think they're going to have to throw a little earlier than normal when it comes to game situations because you got to keep the defense guessing a little bit. And if they don't do that, I, I think James Madison could really zero in on that Air Force rushing attack. Give us a name or two to, to get to know uh, as we get ready for this game on Air Force's defense. Say that one more time. Give us a name or two of somebody on the Air Force defense that we're going to hear a lot about as these two teams play. Uh, I'll give you three names. Trey Taylor, who was named the Jim Thorpe Award, best defensive back in the nation. He's been outstanding this year. He's been outstanding his whole career. Alec Mock, number 40, outstanding linebacker, just solid play in and play out. I'll give you two other names. Uh, Jonathan Youngblood, number 44, very underrated linebacker. And then the other guy up front for Air Force, Bo Richter, number eight, first team all-conference. They move him all over the place. He's a guy that can create havoc in the backfield. He's a good rusher. When James Madison wants to throw the football, they really need to know where Bo Richter is throughout this game. He's an excellent player. 
Can you give us a sense as to what the typical day is like uh, for the football players? Because obviously they've got a lot of responsibilities that they have to balance besides football practice. Well, you know, these, these young men and women are there to get an education and ultimately defend the country. Football is a little bit of a relief, I think, because it takes you away from classes. It takes you away from your military obligations for a couple of hours. Uh, now, the other thing is, and it's important to remember, the coaching staff doesn't get to spend as much time with the team as maybe other coaching staffs around the country, whether that's on a daily basis, whether that's throughout the year. So Air Force really has to make hay while the sun shines. But, yeah, there's a lot of obligations for these young men and women. I mean, they've got to pass inspection once a week in terms of their room, their uniform, and it goes on and on and on. And those are just the military disciplines that they have to honor all the time. You know, forget for a moment that they're trying to get ready to play a football team and a ranked football team like James Madison or Boise State or things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot going on at the Academy, no doubt about it. Uh, last thing for you, and we're wrapping up here with Jim Arthur, getting us set for the game between Air Force and James Madison. How about the Air Force special team? Seems like you have a pretty reliable kicker and, uh, and a pretty decent punt game. Matthew DePore is a good kicker for Air Force. He struggled a little bit down the stretch, but he's got a strong leg. He's fine no matter where he is. Uh, the punt game uh, is all right. It's not great, but it's not going to hurt you any uh, with Carson Bay and Luke Freer. And what's interesting is kickoff returns. You're not going to see Air Force really return a kickoff unless things are dire, dire late in the game. And I guarantee you, you're not going to see a punt return. Because Air Force doesn't return punts. Air Force wants the football. They're going to fair catch and take the football wherever it is. And they're very rarely going to see an Air Force punt returner again unless there's 10 seconds to go on the game and Air Force needs a score. That's the only time you're going to see a guy return a punt for Air Force. Otherwise, those punt teams for James Madison, they can jog down the field. They'll be in good shape. Uh, well, Jim, good luck uh, this weekend. Thank you so much for uh, educating us on uh, JMU's opponent. Nice to be here. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, that is uh, Jim Arthur of uh, the Air Force Radio Network. And um, this game Saturday at 3.30 um, down in Fort Worth, Texas. And I'll say this, looking at the weather, a little bit lucky here. Um, there is rain, looks like at 9 o'clock that, on Saturday night. And it looks like there might be a little bit of wind, about... 12 to 15 mile per hour winds, maybe starting around three ish. Um, then they're very, I mean, they're very lucky because it looks like there's gonna be a lot of rain starting at that light at the late part of Saturday. So they're getting the game in. At one point, there was some rain, uh, at least early Friday, but uh, it doesn't look like that. So it looks like the weather's gonna be very good, uh, for the most part. I mean, I, I think, look, obviously, a little bit of wind is an issue, but I, I just everything I hear from James Madison is that this team's going to be ready. You, know, you, you get very concerned, and you look at you know all the names that entered the transfer portal. Of course, there was the craziness. What was it? Friday, James Madison posts Elijah Surratt doing a, post, uh, a press conference with the media, and then like four hours later, he puts his name in the transfer portal. Now, much like the others, he is going to play in the game, it seems like. Only Kamara and um, the offensive lineman are not going to play of the people who are in the transfer portal. And that tells me something. So, and it seems like with all the new coaches that they brought in, and if you're not familiar, um, Coach Robo brought in five 
coaches to help out the defense with regards to the triple option. Now, look, it's, you know, as I said, you want to play them when you have this much time, but Air Force has been beating people. As he said, last year was 30-15 to over Baylor. Uh, 2021, it was 31-28 Air Force over Louisville. 2019, it was Air Force 31-21 over Washington State, 45-21 over South Alabama in 2016. So you've in these cases, they've had the extra time, but it hasn't helped. So I'm hoping, and uh, you know, from everything we've heard, JMU continues to be focused. They continue to practice really well. They continue to do everything they have to. I'm optimistic. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm close to the program and because I want them to win. I don't know if I'm just basically overlooking some of the obvious things that basically come out of this, but I kind of like the spot that that JMU is in, and I think part of the country who bets on this game is going to see the list of people who are in the transfer portal for James Madison, and they're going to be like, oh, none of these guys are playing, and then they're going to be in for a rude awakening because, you know, you got to do your research and you got to be ready for this sort of thing. Um, I did find it interesting that um, Kurt Signetti yesterday posted a picture in his office, I'm guessing, at Indiana. And it was said, not done yet. And if you look on his desk, it's all JMU stuff. There's a 2023 JMU coaches, I don't know what the, the other word is. There's a yellow notepad that says, let's go get players with players underlined. And... JMU fans did not like that. And I, I've already said my piece on this whole thing. I wish he would have stayed the coach. I wish he would have. I wish the calendar would not start until a team season ends. Um, I wish this none of this would have happened because I think truly if he didn't, you know, if the money wasn't that much of an issue, I think truly he would have liked to have stayed. But when he says to the Indiana people, yeah, 90% Indiana, 10% JMU, I'm like, no, you, you, you got to go. So, um, People were offended last night by that picture. And by the way, already today, a couple hours ago, Michael Kamara has committed to Indiana. And he was one of the two guys, as I said, who aren't playing in this game anyway. Anyway, it's it feels dirty to me. It feels very dirty. You know, every time I talk to Kurt Signetti, you know, it was about the, you know, he said all the right things and about the program and everything. And then all of a sudden he just, he books it for the money. It feels kind of dirty to me. It feels kind of, I don't know. It feels kind of shameful to me. Uh, with what he's doing and then just stealing JMU people. Because I'll bet you this, the moment that game ends on Saturday, Saturday night, you're going to see a stream of potential Dukes who are going to Indiana. Now, I think I think Coach Chesney's going to keep some of them, but I think, unfortunately, that Saturday, like win or lose, I think you're going to see a bunch of players leave. And it'd be really sad because this is a really good team. I'm glad they're bowling. I'm glad the kids are staying who are staying. I'm glad they're pretty healthy for it. I'm glad they're not going to miss a lot of people. Um, but it's just the whole thing's kind of – I wish the NCAA would fix it, but we all know the NCAA doesn't do anything right when it comes to anything else. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. Let's take a timeout. Coming up. Got to talk about the famous toastery bowl. Got to talk about it. I um I saw all these people on Twitter. They're like, you got to fire Ricky Ronnie. You got to fire the coaching staff. Like, no, we're not firing anybody. We're not doing anything of this sort. But it was not a good look for Old Dominion. We'll talk about that game, and we'll get you set for tonight's college basketball, Virginia and Memphis. What does Memphis do really well? Are they a great rebounding team, which seems to be an issue for Virginia this season? We'll tell you, and we'll dive into the numbers of that one uh, as we take you up to 4 o'clock. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN.
week. Just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Um, as you notice, I wasn't on the air yesterday and... Look, I'm not I'm not one of these people who wants to go crazy over bowl games. In terms of this, I love bowl games. I'm, let me amend what I'm about to say. If I'm an ODU fan, I you know obviously you're not happy with the way you lost yesterday, but I'm not sitting here saying fire everybody. We got to change everything. Like bowl season is great, and for the people who win their bowl games, it's a great way to boost yourself into next season. But if you lose a bowl game, even the way they lost yesterday. I just, I'm I'm not going to go crazy and make coaching changes. And I understand most of the people are like, you know, they're 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 joking around. For those who aren't paying attention, first of all, I was very disappointed because I wanted to take the over, and I don't have an offshore account, and we can't bet on the state schools here in uh, Virginia. So I was already in a bad mood because obviously it went over. ODU goes and. Takes a 21-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Turner Helton, who was the coach's son, was brutal as a quarterback. Fumbled, threw an interception. Caden Veltkamp came in. And here's the funny thing. Caden Veltkamp basically opted out of the game, but said he was going to stay around with the team. So as far as a lot of people knew, before the fact that this game was even supposed to be happening, like he wasn't supposed to play in the game. And obviously, it didn't really matter anyway, because he's the backup. And so, like, if we're sitting here and we're, you know, we're crying over a guy who's who's the backup quarterback, but this is the same Western Kentucky team that basically let Austin Reed be briefly in the transfer portal last year, and then he came back and he played. So, we didn't even know that Caden Veltkamp, and not to mention he's the backup quarterback for the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Like it's not like he's supposed to be really good. Of course, he's going to get a lot of mentions now, and he's going to get a lot of looks from the transfer portal because he played really well yesterday. So even so, it's twenty-eight-seven at halftime. Western Kentucky is at least a brief, you know, shining moment. But like this was basically going to be a coronation for Old Dominion. Put a cap on the season. You're seven and six. You win all those one-score games. You close things out with a really good finish. And even so, it was 35-14 entering the fourth quarter. And then it was then it was disaster. And then it was absolute disaster on so many different levels. Because if you look, it goes, um, you enter the fourth quarter, and Western Kentucky goes down the field, gets 10, um, gets a 10-play, uh, 77-yard touchdown. And then they go, and it's just, I'm looking here. Oh, there we go, the wrong, wrong direction. Um, I was looking at the wrong direction, excuse me. So it was touchdown Western Kentucky to make it 35-21. You're like, all right, that's not bad. Then there was the interception thrown by Grant Wilson, and then another touchdown. So it's 35-28. Then ODU does not go anywhere, and it's and they punt the ball, and eventually uh, Western Kentucky fumbles it. And you're like, all right, this is great. There's 5-14 or so left. We could kill the clock. We could finish this game out, get a victory. And then they go and they try a field goal. And and the thing that was frustrating for me was that they were basically trying to play for a field goal with, and obviously, look, I don't know enough about Ethan Sanchez. Obviously, he got his first field goal. It was short. His second field goal uh, was blocked. 
And it was just a disastrous day for Ethan Sanchez, who is 14 of 21 overall from field goal range. But playing for a field goal there is just not the way to go because you you, you need to be aggressive. This is a Western Kentucky team that, granted, they're on their backup quarterback, but they've shown in this quarter they've moved the ball, but they played for the field goal, got blocked. And, and ODU's lucky in some extent that Western Kentucky didn't field the ball cleanly and run it in because they they could have. They had a convoy in front of the guy, and it could have been a Western Kentucky touchdown. Instead, what was actually happening was Western Kentucky gets the ball at the 36. They go nine plays, 64 yards, and a fourth down and 15, essentially, from the 15. A backup quarterback throws a touchdown pass. I don't even know who the heck this KD Hutchinson guy is. Like I know a lot about these teams. I know a lot about um, you know some of these things. KD Hutchinson was in at wide receiver. It was his 21st catch of the season. He gets the touchdown. They tie things up. I might have gone for two, but whatever. You had all the momentum, and then ODU kind of goes and limps into the fourth quarter. Uh, limps into overtime. Then they get down to the one-yard line. And then they can't get in from the one-yard line. And then on fourth and goal from the one, they get the false start, and then the next field goal is blocked, and then, you know, Western Kentucky gets the field goal. So it was a miserable way to end the season. But, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, you really should fire the guy. I, I think in the bigger picture, it was a great season for the Monarchs. Great season for the Monarchs. I think that... um I just, I don't know. You know, it was a tough way to finish the season. But you were also without two of your best players in Terry Jones and and Jason Henderson. Uh, And I understand the frustration if you're an ODU fan. You made the travel down to Charlotte and you're sitting there watching this disaster happen in front of you. And you're like, wait, what the the hell just happened? To make things worse, Malachi Corley, who's going to get drafted in the NFL from the Western Kentucky team, saw how bad his quarterback was and basically said, yeah, I'm out. I'm not getting hurt trying to catch passes for a third stringer and then a second stringer. It was a great game, though, for those of us who are not invested. But that was that was a tough watch. So do you finish at 6-7? and seven, But there's still got to be some momentum there. There's still got to be some happiness. You made a bowl game. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just not one of these people who's going to go and, and kill a coach because he didn't win a bowl game where people are trying new things anyway. I don't know. If you're an ODU fan, give us a call. 327-0888. Are you mad? Are you sad? Did you spend the money to go down to Charlotte? It looked like a decent crowd. There certainly were more Monarchs fans than Western Kentucky fans. But that was just, it's a tough way to end your season, but you have to remember it was a bowl game. And if you won the bowl game, like, are you going to feel that much better about your season as a whole? Yeah, you're now 7-6 and six instead of 6-7. and seven. Tough way to lose. But this, you know, this is, the toughest part of yesterday was they should have been playing this game in the Bahamas, and instead they were in Charlotte, which I love Charlotte, the Queen City, let's be honest here. But, like, this game was meant for the Bahamas. Instead, it's in Charlotte, the other thing I learned is I kind of wish we had a famous toastery here in, in, in Richmond, in this area. I believe there's only one in the state of Virginia. It looked interesting. Every one of these bowls obviously has commercials, and I um, I, I was very interested to see, and apparently there is one. Oh, there's one in Ashburn. Oh, there's one in Warrington, and there's one in Roanoke. Okay. All right. Famous toastery, and they dumped toast on the guy, which obviously that is also the best part of these bowl games is having people get dumped with food. 
although the avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl did not dump avocados on the coach because I think that would hurt. I think if you dumped uh, a, uh, a bucket of avocados on somebody, that would probably injure them tremendously. Uh, so tonight you got the Frisco Bowl. You'll hear it here on 1061 ESPN, 9 o'clock kickoff. People think Frank Harris is not going to play tonight. The line is kind of reflecting that. The under's going down. The um, UTSA's line is going down. Uh, and then we take a day off, and we've got a bowl game Thursday. Syracuse in South Florida. That game's on our – of course we got Syracuse on our airwaves. Although Syracuse just announced that their quarterback's not playing in the game, and then the line went down. That's coming up on Thursday, and then there's Friday, the Gasparilla Bowl, Central Florida, and Georgia Tech. <clears throat> and then a whole bunch of bowls on Saturday. In- there we go. So you are now personally hurting me and Bob, although Bob will be busy because he's got his. We could, I mean, like, you know, I- I- it's fine. Syracuse is probably going to lose anyway. But that's the good decision by you. But all right, so uh, Alan's here. He's my boss. Uh, so are we doing? We're doing Friday's game, right? Are we doing Friday, which is the Gasparilla Bowl between Central Florida and Georgia Tech? We will have the Gasparilla Bowl. Excellent, excellent. And then there's a whole host of bowls on Saturday, and obviously the Spiders are not playing on Saturday. So pretty much we're just going to go from bowl to bowl to bowl to bowl to bowl. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that's the way it should be. Um, Saturday features Duke and Troy, Arkansas State, Northern Illinois, JMU Air Force. By the way, JMU still a two and a half point favorite. Uh, Utah State, Georgia State, South Alabama, Eastern Michigan, Utah, Northwestern, and Coastal Carolina, San Jose State. Um, I'll tell you this right now: early lean. Now it's still going to change because somebody could opt out, but I like the over in the Hawaii Bowl. Although it is disappointing, the Hawaii Bowl is not on Christmas Eve like it usually is. But the whole calendar gets messed up because obviously Sunday is Christmas Eve, Monday is Christmas Day, so like things get kind of messed up a little bit. Um, so yeah, tell you real quick the Virginia Tech line. I'm moving down here because obviously, uh, if you missed it, Tulane's quarterback said he's opting out, so Tulane is down to potentially their third string quarterback. Uh, Tech is a ten and a half point favorite. Total is forty five. That game is on Wednesday the twenty seventh. At 2 o'clock. I have a press pass for that game. I haven't decided yet if I'm going. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to say. I'm going to try to. You know, it's 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 a 2 o'clock on a Wednesday in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, I don't know. Maybe I can. I'll, I'll give it to you, Alan, if I don't want to go. Yeah, if you're not going to go, pass it on. I will do that. I don't know. We'll see. Annapolis is beautiful. I hope there's a lot of tech fans that make it. And if any of you tech fans are listening and want to invite me to your tailgate that would that would probably persuade me to go um that's for sure last thing real quick uh florida state jared verse has just said he's not playing the game trey benson has said he's not playing in the game and mike norvell just came out and said that the team is still struggling with getting passed up on the college football playoff if georgia is at all focused for this game they're probably going to win by a lot because florida state is going to show that they do not want to be in this game and that my friends is the key to bowl season Let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment for a Tuesday. Tell you what's coming up. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Home for the Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here and uh, taking up until 4 o'clock tomorrow on the show. We'll talk a little JMU football. We're hoping to have a player catch up with us uh, tomorrow. 
And we are hoping to tape something with Brad Franklin before the show, get into a little UVA signing day, uh, a little bit of recapping uh, the game tonight, and uh, just get into some overall UVA stuff with Brad Franklin, catscorner.com. And then um, I don't know what we're going to do Thursday yet. We'll probably do some hokey stuff on Thursday, and then Friday, Tim Murray, and we'll send you away potentially into uh, 2024 uh, here on the show. 3270888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. As we mentioned tonight, huge game for Virginia. Um, first true road game of the year. As seemingly everybody is just doing this whole like, hey, let's just play every game at home in their neutral courts. Duke was the first. Now everybody else seems to be doing it. But uh, the Cavaliers tonight, are a three-and-a-half-point underdog as they take on Memphis. And you look at Virginia's Ken Pomeroy page, or you look at what they do well and what they don't do well. We talked about there's two real weaknesses for Virginia. Weakness number one is their offensive rebounding. They are 304th in getting their own offensive rebounds, and they're 279th in preventing their opponent from getting offensive rebounds. I mean, you look, their defensive numbers are sterling. Top 10 turnover percentage. Top 10 in two-point percentage defense. Top 10 in three-point percentage defense. Top 10 in block percentage. Top 10 in steal percentage. Like, they're, I mean, their defense is pristine. They're third in turnover percentage on offense, so they're turning the ball over percentage-wise. Third least in the country, and they're 45th in three-point percentage. Their other weakness? Free throw shooting. Team is shooting 67% as a team. And that may not matter in November or December, but that could matter in March, especially if this team is playing a lot of tight games. Let's look at Memphis. Memphis wants to run. Top 20 tempo in the country. They are really good at getting to the free throw line, and when they get to the free throw line, they capitalize. They're shooting 73% as a team. The one thing they don't do well either at least on defense, is prevent offensive rebounds. They're very good at offensive rebounding their own stuff, but they are not very good at preventing offensive rebounds. Can Virginia take advantage of it? A lot of times they don't because they want to get back on defense and set up their defense. Um, Memphis has pretty good defense. Their best win so far this season, they've, I mean, they've beaten a lot of good teams. They beat, They won at Missouri. They beat Michigan. They beat Arkansas in the Bahamas. They won here at VCU. They won at Texas A&M. They beat Clemson at home and handed Clemson their first loss. So Memphis is playing one of the toughest schedules so far. And I, um, it's a tough game tonight. I think the Cavaliers are going to have to rebound if they want to win. Uh, I think that Virginia has to do everything right. If they want to win this game tonight, maybe get Memphis into a little bit of foul trouble because Memphis is certainly bigger than uh, the Cavaliers, but should be a fun one. Love these early tests uh, for the state schools. We'll recap it tomorrow, certainly, as uh, we do here on the airwaves. Uh, thanks to Alan for all of his hard work. He'll be with us uh, during uh, Bob's show coming up from 4 until 6. Thanks to uh, our guests to uh, educate us a little bit on Air Force football. If you need to know about the Falcons, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. We will certainly get you uh, our interview from earlier today. As I said, coming up tomorrow, we'll talk to a JMU player, and we will certainly uh, do a little UVA with Brad Franklin, CapsCorner.com. Back tomorrow, 3 to 4, 1061 ESPN. Hi, I'm Jonathan Mal.